This is the Master Brewers Podcast, brought to you by the Master Brewers Association of the Americas, a volunteer organization dedicated to continually improving the products and processes of our membership since 1887. Master Brewers brings you interviews with the industry's best and brightest in brewing science, technology, and operations. This episode was made possible by the following sponsors. Dare to Brew Different with new and exciting hop varieties from Hopsteiner's industry-leading breeding program. Varieties like Sultana, Lotus, Bravo, Altus, and Contessa are now available in lupulin pellet form, packing more flavor and aroma per pellet. Discover more at hopsteiner.com. Additional support provided by... Every beer has a story, and that's why, for over 95 years, Gusmer Enterprises has offered a full line of solutions, including equipment, analytical instrumentation, and processing aids, all brought to you from leading suppliers and backed by strong technical support. For the solution to your story, go to gusmerbeer.com. And thanks also to Brew Ninja, a brewery software solution that streamlines your day-to-day operations, including inventory, accounting, sales, and compliance, so that you can focus on making great beer. Listeners of this podcast will receive a unique offer by going to GetBrewNinja.com and using the code BrewNinja21. I'd say leaking can is the biggest consequence when can liners are out of spec. Uh, Leaking can issues are painful and can cost a lot of money, and we want to try to avoid them at all costs. And then the main other issues are definitely those flavor changes. You know, you don't want your can changing the flavor of a beer you spent a lot of time making. This week on the show, something that I bet zero brewers new to canning think about, but can make or break a brewery. I'm Hannah Krieg, and I'm the lab manager at The Lab, powered by BevSource. Hi, I'm Vivian Poteet, global sales support manager for Sensory Analytics, home of the Specmetrics coding measurement system. We're talking can liner quality and testing methods on the show today. Before we get into modern can liners, let's hear about the history. It all started in my hometown of Richmond, Virginia back in 1935, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's when beer was first successfully canned in steel cans. And by 1940, that's when the coatings were first developed for cans. And then by 1950, specifically epoxy coatings were developed. Um, Those epoxy coatings um, have trended even to today. So by 1958, that's when the first aluminum beverage can was presented by Adolf Kors Company. That's because of the need for steel during the war. We needed to move away from steel for food, so we tried to go with aluminum. And then by 1960s, we had developed the epoxy phenolic resins were invented specifically for beer cans. So beer has really driven the initiative of beverages in cans, which I find really cool. Um, Then we have kind of a lapse of innovation with cans, but by 1995, the FDA started to ban lead tin in food, which was critical for can manufacturers. And then by 2015, we started to see BPA-based coatings were banned in other countries like France, and they were added on the California Prop 65 list, which focuses on carcinogenic 
items. And then by 2016, big companies like Del Monto and Campbell announced the phase-out of BPA-based coatings um, by 2016 and 2017. And currently, where the CAN research lives is conducting research on non-BPA-based or BPA-free liners that, the, that support the same resilience as traditional epoxy liners. So the 1930s canned beer had no liners whatsoever, right? That's how it started out, yes, and that didn't go very well, which is why coatings started or <laughs> developed. So, and obviously, none of us were drinking beer in the 1930s, but do we know if it became sort of immediately apparent that a liner would be necessary? I believe so. Um, I don't have access to that history, but I'm, I'm guessing that they saw some corrosion very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, what are the different types of liners that are in use today? Yes, and this is something Vivian can speak on too, but the current liners in the market are epoxy-based BPA, non-BPA epoxy, otherwise known as Bapani, and then we also have acrylic, polyester, and polyolefins liners. Hannah, I think you about cover all of them. Of course, uh, the most critical part of the liners uh, is obviously the thickness of those specific ones that, that are used either in the inside or the outside of metal containers. Okay, uh, let's do a quick overview of sort of the pros and cons of each of these different liner types. Yeah, so the epoxy-based BPA liner uh, is would probably be one of your most common liners just because it's inexpensive. It has good corrosion resistance. It can withstand high temperatures and stresses, and it has good adherence to metal. It is the most widely used liner, but it is facing challenges from scientists in regarding adverse health effects, um, especially as many countries are starting to put a ban on BPA. I always like to say as beer makers, we, we really like to stress out our cans between pasteurization, alcohol, low pH. That's where these epoxy-based BPA liners came from. They're very resilient. Bapani is kind of the new trend of liners. It's the second generation alternative to BPA. Uh, it's a non-BPA-based epoxy. It's more stable comparatively, and it's in conformance with new safety standards. Is it more expensive, I assume? Vivian, do you know if it's more expensive? It, it is more expensive. Uh, there's a lot of time, a lot of R&D um, and development across many of the coding um, um, suppliers of this particular type of coding. Uh, and it's still, you know, going through their spaces. They're still trying to test and determine the right specification for the right product inside that aluminum can. So it's, it is more expensive. All right. What's next? We also have acrylic liners. They were the first generation alternative to BPA. They do provide good corrosion and stain resistance, but they can be pretty brittle and they may affect the taste and odor of beverages and food, which is the big downside. Yeah, sounds like a no-go there. All right, how about polyester? Polyester. Yep, they were also another first generation alternative to BPA. They're really easy to handle during production, and they also provide good metal adherence, but they're not very stable under low pH, and they have low corrosion resistance, so they're not the best for beer, which has lower pH. All right, and finally... Polyoleofins. Polyoleofins are a newer liner. Um, they're mainly under the trademark name Convera. 
their dispersion of high molecular polyolefins in aqueous systems without the addition of surfacants or emulsifiers. The manufacturer states that final polyolefin coatings exhibit corrosion protection, adhesion, and flexibility without impacting flavor. Again, these are manufacturer statements. There's still research that needs to be done on its product capabilities. What can you tell us about how can manufacturers apply liners and what can go wrong in that process? I'll have Vivian speak on that. Sure, I'd be glad to. So sensory, here at Sensory Analytics, what we do, our focus is coating thickness. That's what we focus on across many industries, specifically metal packaging. So we know that uh, a lot of the aluminum cans from beverage containers to food containers, but specifically um, beverage containers and the beer, they do apply in inside. We call it liners. Some call it inside coatings. Uh, and they have to be very specific to the product that is being contained by that container. Depending on the aggressiveness of the product, uh, coating suppliers will determine the specific thickness of that liner so that there's no cross contamination uh, from the metal to the product. Obviously, there's ability issues there. So that is very critical, and that's why this is very important. In addition to that, there are many other things that cause quality issues. Uh, If not enough coating is applied to the inside of a container, you may have leaks and many other issues, uh, including um, the the flavor of the product itself can get um, damaged. What exactly would be the problem with overcoated cans? It seems like too much wouldn't be a bad thing. Yeah, so overcoated cans can sometimes cause chipping. So if there's too much coating, you can see chipping and then residual coating in the product. Overcoated cans also, just on a pricing standpoint, we want to make sure we are using the exact liner we need so we can get the exact can pricing we need and just have the most efficient production. What are some of the reasons brewers might want to test can liners? Yeah, there, there are many avenues for testing can liners um, in your production and supply chain process. The most obvious one is definitely assuring can quality when vetting out new suppliers. We are experiencing quite a can shortage right now. And some, some beverage entrepreneurs and companies want to vet out international suppliers. This is a great tool to help ensure the can quality when vetting out those new suppliers. Uh, Another avenue for testing can liner integrity is to check can and beverage quality safety throughout the supply chain. That includes manufacturing, packaging, transportation, and storage. If you get pretty technical with with your sampling plan here, you can really paint the picture of where can quality is at at all points in the process. So in that circumstance, you might see, you know, you have a, you're within specification coming from out of the manufacturer, but perhaps something goes wrong during actual transportation or storage. Correct. Yeah. Like if you had nicks during the fill process, if your um, product inside is degrading the liner over its shelf life, those are all good sampling points to see that data. Another great way... or another great avenue to test liner integrity is to prevent metal corrosion and leaching of coating ingredients. So just making sure we're preventing corrosion in cans, making sure your product isn't corroding the inside liner throughout its whole shelf life. And then another really nice tool this that we use this for is to investigate leaking can root cause analysis. Um, no one wants to experience leaking cans, so it's been very useful to use effective root cause analysis and rule in and out a liner issue. 
That's very that that is very important. We here have had a lot of new startup, new um, uh, uh, brewers who start with their brands, and I think that's the last thing that sometimes they think of the liners of their cans that's holding their product. So I think this is a very good uh, and very important part in product development. Besides the product itself, the packaging is very important. Okay, so we've got three possible methods for testing can liners. What are those? Uh, yeah, so one of the testing techniques is a waste strip way method. Um, we have capacitance-based technology, and then we have the optical reflectance-based technology um, by Specmetrics technology powered by sensory analytics. How does way strip way work, or does the name pretty much sum it up? The name pretty much sums it up. Um, so what happens in waste strip weigh method is we weigh the coating can, strip off the coating, and weigh the uncoated can. Uh, the downsides to this is this is destructive to the can. Now that can can't be used again. Uh, it's very time consuming and it's very reliant on operator skills. How exactly do you strip off that liner? What kind of uh, tools do you use for that? Yeah, so for for that right there, they literally use um, chemicals or just to strip off the specific coating that they have applied. Um, and and again, even with that, they could be stripping some of the metal itself in some cases, which affects the overall weight of that can. Uh, not only that, stripping and, and you know weighing and, and stripping it, weighing it again, it doesn't necessarily tell you exactly where the coating is. In that particular can. Yeah, it could all be on one side, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, Capacitance-based technology sounds a lot better. Talk about that. Yeah. So that's kind of been the standard for the brew in the brewing industry for a while now. It uses conductivity to measure liner integrity. Uh, it reduces testing time and operating error, which is great. But it, this can be inaccurate for thin coatings. And the main challenge is measuring coatings on black inks, which is where Specmetrics came in. Um, but yeah, conductivity is a method that has been used for years in the brewing industry. We're just seeing if there is a conductivity and that usually indicates if there's an aluminum somewhere. Um, but again, then you have the downside where you're not getting a 3D map of your can. That, that is very, that is correct. Not only on the inside, as Hannah pointed out, but also on the outside. A lot of um, can makers, product brand owners focus on the inside of the container with the non-contact, non-destructive technology that Specmetrics offers. They can also do the outside of that can. A lot of these cans, a lot of these companies are spending a lot of marketing money. Their brand is important. The color of the can is important. A lot of Companies are using, for example, like the black inks that go outside, monster cans, uh, any black inks typically um, have carbon components uh, in it, and therefore capacitance gauges will kind of be affected by that black or carbon particles interfering in the actual coat weight information or data. Okay, so I'm guessing you've saved the best for last. Tell us more about the optical reflectance-based technology. Yeah, you can take that away, Vivian. Sure, not a problem. So Specmetrics is a product brand developed by Sensory Analytics about 15 years ago. Basically, we use visible white light, uh, which is not obviously non-contact, non-destructive, 
um, the light actually has to fall perpendicular to the coated substrate. We're substrate independent, but in this case, since we're dealing with metal, uh, it's perfect because what happens is the light falls perpendicular. It will penetrate a layer or two of coating that is applied on a container. It will bounce back from the top of the coating layer, producing an interference. It will penetrate that coating and it will bounce back from the metal substrate, again, causing an interference. That interference combined creates uh, an interference wave that correlates to the coating thickness. Coating thickness meaning absolute thickness. Now, the industry, for the most part, deals with coat weight. Uh, the liner is, is expressed in a weight value. So what the technology does, it will convert that absolute thickness in microns into a film weight or liner weight. Uh, because it is absolute, it requires no calibration per se, although because it is a metrology type of technology, we do have NIST standard calibrations to where you can verify the technology is working properly. It can measure wet or in the dry state because it is non-contact. Coming up. These cans may be viable for the local brewer in local markets that has a very good control of your supply chain. But as you branch out and you may have not direct control of your supply chain as much, we may want to try to do more testing of corrosion and stress as we scale up. I'm John Bryce, and you're listening to the Master Brewers Podcast from the Master Brewers Association of the Americas. There's really only one thing that keeps this podcast going, and that's when listeners like you take the time to thank our sponsors. The next time you talk to a rep from one of these companies, be sure to thank them for their generous support. Get to know Proximity Malt. We malt superior, European-style, low-protein varieties grown close to home in Delaware and Colorado. Domestically grown, precisely malted to style. With our team of seasoned experts and two brand new malt houses, try what's really new in malt. Check us out at www.proximitymalt.com. Brew Monitor from Precision Fermentation works with your existing fermentation tanks to track dissolved oxygen, pH, gravity, pressure, temperature, and conductivity in real time from any smartphone, tablet, or PC. Get started for 30 days risk-free. Visit precisionfermentation.com MBAA. HS Sativa, brought to you by BSG Hop Solutions. Meet the latest in the BSG Hop Solutions portfolio, HS Sativa. Strong expressions of stone fruit, floral, and resinous pine flavors and aromas define this blend. Crafted specifically for use in hazy IPAs and other hop-forward beers. HS Sativa is ideal for aroma, whirlpool, and dry hop additions to hazy and juicy IPAs or for any other hoppy styles where a combination of citrus, tropical fruit, and pine aromatics are desired. Go to bsgcraftbrewing.com to learn more, or call 1-800-374-2739. There's one more sponsor I should mention, and that's Muntins, offering a wide range of malted ingredients sourced within a 50-mile radius of their maltings. Listen to Nigel Davis discuss sustainability at Muntins on episode 206. 
And here's what's coming up on the Master Brewers calendar. District Eastern Canada holds a webinar September 22nd. September 23rd is a busy day. District St. Louis has a golf outing. Districts Mid-South and Milwaukee have meetings. District Georgia meets at Southern Brewing in Athens September 24th. The District Ontario 2021 Iron Brewer Competition is September 24th. District Carolinas meets in Greenville October 1st and 2nd. District Northwest will hold its annual meeting in Hood River October 22nd and 23rd. There's one big meeting that's on my calendar. I hope it's on yours. The 2021 Master Brewers Conference will be October 28th through the 30th in Cleveland. Registration is open now. And don't forget the world-famous Master Brewers Brewing and Malting Science course begins October 31st. Check out the full calendar of events at mbaa.com for more details or to find a district meeting near you. Master Brewers offers a wide range of resources for breweries of all sizes and stages. Stay current on the latest scientific advancements, technical information, and industry trends by joining Master Brewers. Join today and use offer code BEER2021 to save 20% on dues now through December 31st, 2021. Master Brewers, united we brew. Now back to the show. Uh, I saw charts for both inside and outside in, in Hannah's district presentation. Vivian also just mentioned outside. What exactly is the outside measurement? Isn't the outside of the can just painted aluminum? No, outside of cans do have a coating of varnish. Um, This is usually to protect the artwork um, and to protect any scratching or denting. That's why we also measure the outside of the can. It can also be a great quality reflectance if you're dealing with any secondary artwork application to see if there's any damage to that outside varnish or just damage to the outside varnish during your process. A lot of corrosion can happen from the outside in because while that there is a liner on the outside it's not designed to prevent from corrosion but we still want to see that that's intact and that's not damaged because obviously if it's not there corrosion potential just increases and it can happen even faster and even quicker got it i would assume can manufacturers are doing these types of tests in-house is that the case or not so much so that is the case. And of course, um, like I said before, sensor analytics, we were at one point very overwhelmed with a lot of um, small um, brand owners developing beers, and they were looking for a source that can help them to determine the right package in the right can. Uh, they were not aware at all of the importance of the can liner. So we came across BevSource, the lab, and it was a perfect fit. They're like, this is what we do for our customers, uh, for the uh, for, for the brewers, and we would like to share this knowledge, educate them so that when they are spending this amount of time and money into their products, they they can also re- know and learn that there's more to that to that product than than just the product, but the can is important as well. Hannah, you've got a couple of real world case studies to talk about. Let's go through the first one. Yes. So for the first case study, we were we had seen leaking cans after trying a new can vendor. 
Um, and while we were inspecting these cans, we noticed white deposits on the outside of the cans. Um, and then we suggested the sample sampling plan of 10 cans from each flavor empty and 10 cans from each flavor after filling. Um, the 10 cans from each flavor empty represents what they would potentially get from a can manufacturer. So before we filled it, before it was uh, had product in it, and the cans for each flavor after filling were a good representation point of where in their fill process we may see damage if we are seeing damage. What's different when measuring full cans? I assume the lid needs to come off first. Yes. So when we measure full, full cans, we do have to take the lid off, empty the liquid, and dry the cans overnight. Um, but that's with this technology, we can do that and run it on the Specmetric Sensory Analytical System after we empty the cans. Tell us what you found in this, uh, in this first one. Yeah. So with the empty cans, we found that the inside and the outside liner integrity were pretty normal for in industry standards. We had a nice even coating and the coating was within the micron range we like to see, which is typically around 3.5 to 5 microns. So it looked like the cans they were getting from the manufacturer were within specifications. All right. So what's next? And then in the full cans, we saw that the inside liner integrity was still holding up. So that's great news that their product wasn't potentially corroding the ins inside liner. But we did start noticing on the outside liner integrity, we had little pinpoints of damage in that outside varnish. And so was in a, when you say pinpoints, you mean it was like in a, in a specific, specific space on each can or what? Correct. Yes, it was in a specific space on each can rather than just overall varnish liner integrity. Okay. We were seeing just little points and divots of low varnish integrity. All right. So what does that tell us? So after we saw those results, we, we inspected the cans a little bit more and we found etching on the bottom of the cans. Um, so from there, we inspected the canning line and we found that there was sharp edges on the end of the conveyor belt that were causing these etchings in the cans. Um, so the solution was to perform pre preventative maintenance on equipment. Obviously, if you're etching the can, it's lowering the liner integrity and increasing your potential for a can leaker issue. Um, and then we also looked more closely on the white deposit on the, dry on the can. And the white deposit was actually dried product. So this was an alternative beverage product. And this prompted us to increase the rinsing procedures of of the can it is very critical to rinse the cans after filling. If any products left on the outside of the cans, that's what causes secondary corrosion and can ca cause further leaking cans. Um, and then that seemed to do the trick when we didn't have an issue since. And I imagine that's, um, it gets more severe as that pH drops. So if you have a, you know, a, a seltzer or some other product that has a very low pH, then, um, you know, it's going to do a lot more damage than beer, right? Correct. Yeah. Seltzers or your sour beers or your alcoholic teas, those are all a little bit are more corrosive than your standard beers, IPAs. Um, once we venture into, like, like you said, the very acidic products, we can definitely see more corrosion potential. Okay. How about the second case study? Tell us about that. Yeah, so for our second case study, we're trying to vet out a new can supplier and a new secondary artwork application supplier. And we were looking to see if these cans are viable for commercial production. I work at a pilot facility. Um, so we were doing a pilot run with these cans and we were curious to see how they would scale up in a commercial production. 
Okay, so what did you discover in this second case study? So we discovered that the inside varnish integrity, while it was a little high, was still good, which is great news. Um, we did see a slight gradient on the inside, but these results weren't concerning to us. And then on the outside of the can, we saw a very variable, it was high variability of varnish integrity throughout the outside of the can. So we were seeing points where it was super low and non-existence and points where it was really, really high and just very inconsistent all throughout. And, and so what does that tell you? So that one, we, we talked to our secondary artwork application that we discovered damage during secondary artwork application. Um, as we are getting more innovative and the need for sleeved cans, printed cans is going, is blowing up. There are new techniques coming out that are very innovative and new, um, but still need to do research on, right? So this may, so these cans now may require corrosion and stress tests when we start to talk about scaling up to a uh, bigger production. So these cans may be viable for the local brewer in local markets that has a very good control of your supply chain. But as you branch out and you may have not direct control of your supply chain as much, we may want to try to do more testing of corrosion and stress as we scale up. And then we also may want to add an additional outside liner la layer within the secondary art artwork application process. Okay, so how exactly can um, uh, artwork applications damage can liners? Yeah, definitely. As we apply artwork, those are just more touch points for cans to potentially be damaged either between transport or the artwork application procedures themselves can damage cans. Um, it's just, it just it's adding more variables, which is why it, it is critical to see where these cans are getting damaged. Um, like I said, the outside varnish integrity isn't meant for corrosion prevention, but if you start manipulating that outside varnish integrity, it just increases your likelihood if you had corroding cans, that's going to make, or if you had a leaking can, that's just going to make your problem exponentially worse. Um, but again, if you're pro following proper filling techniques and rinsing the cans, they may be okay. But as you scale that up, we, we don't live in a perfect world, right? Not everything goes perfectly. So it's just expanding your risk. This is very good information, Hannah. Also, just to make a note here. So the varnish that they apply to the outside of containers, the way it adheres, uh, it varies to different colors. So the way the varnish ad adheres to a red, to a black, to a blue, or to a white is different. The formulation of those things are different. Therefore, the, ad the varnish adheres differently. So that's why you may also note a variation in coating thickness on the outside liners. What's a corrosion and stress test? How does that work? Yeah, so there there are shipping tests that you can do where you can take a pallet, palletized can and you can just stress it out. Um, they can either put it in a hot environment, they can put it on a shake plate to see if there's any leaking cans. They're just basically going to apply any stress that you would receive during transportation or the supply chain. And how about corrosion? How are you? What do you mean when you say a corrosion test? 
Corrosion, yeah. So usually with corrosion testing, you can do corrosion testing with your can manufacturer if you're at certain points of your development process. Um, so this would just be if you we if we were to decide to use this can, we would probably suggest some kind type of corrosion testing plan. Whether that's um, we're holding the product throughout its shelf life and testing the liner integrity throughout that shelf life, just making sure we're not seeing any changes in the liner integrity that there isn't like the that the outside liner isn't degrading any further. Um, that's what we mean by corrosion testing. Okay, cool. What are the culprits of corrosion in cans and how can a brewer know if they're pushing the limits? Yes. So this is where I like to tell brewers to heavily lean on your can manufacturer. Uh, cans are scientific marvels. I don't think enough people realize that. I mean, you're using the same technology as planes, as cars, than in cans. So um, definitely your can manufacturer has the expertise there. But there's a lot of things that go into your liquid that can have factors for corrosion. Um, this includes copper chlor chloride and sulfate content, um, your pH, acid content. So not only your pH, but what exact acids are in there. The ingredients, like red dye number 40, is a big call-out for canned warranties. Your dissolved oxygen content is huge. This is great because brewers are used to controlling dissolved oxygen in beer because it is a sensory component of beer. We don't want beer sta staling. But high dissolved oxygen contact contents can also compromise the liner integrity of your cans, which is more seen as like alternative beverages. Um, the, the fact that the product's carbonated itself is pretty stressful on the liner. Your fill height can be, because obviously if you have lower fill heights, more oxygen. And then pasteurization and preservation processes can put stress on your cans. Like, I, you know, when you're heating up the cans, that also is stressing out the cans and stressing out the liners. Your can pressure, which again is re related to carbonation and temperature. Um, and this should all be outlined in your terms and conditions in your can warranties. Um, they try to make this as clear as possible. So definitely, if you obtain a can warranty, read it and see, especially if you're <laughs> yeah. trying to make a formulation change, read your can warranty. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. good advice. <laughs> yes. And exactly that's what comes to us. We get, I mean, boxes and boxes of cans that are, have a lot of uh, corrosion, uh, rusting type on the outside of the can. Of course, you know, when you're the consumers out there, they completely avoid that can that has those little rust marks <laughs> around the, the lid. So they, we get a bunch of those and that's when we begin the, we begin the testing from the outside and move into the inside of the container. So, yes, I don't know how many, how many times I've gotten a call from a customer with leaking cans and then you end up finding out they switch from BPA epoxy to Pani without consulting the can warranty or the can manufacturer. And now, now they're void of a can warranty because their Pani liner wasn't compliant with the liquid. Mm, it's no bueno. What about can lids? Do they also have a coating? Yes. So, well, on, on a beer container, for example, depending if we're talking about your standard beverage container, 12 ounce, you have what is what we call a two piece. You have a, a lum aluminum slug that's been stretched out, formed into the body of the um, aluminum can. And then you have what they call the end or the lid. Right. Um, so those are the same way they're coated inside and out. Um, and of course, they have the compound to seal the container. But yes, they are coated as well. 
Okay, so do do can LEDs or ENDs receive this exact same coating that the the can itself uh, receives, or is it something different? Uh, they receive the same amount, the same coatings. Uh, on the okay. outside is your clear varnish, and then of course the inside it, it has to be because it's touching the product. So okay, cool. and it's uh, just done at a different. Is there's done as instead of um, again at a different facility, but it's done in flat sheet coil type stock. So different process. The same coatings. And I assume it's the same process for measuring that though, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So right now, most of the major players in the U.S., um, spectmetric systems are being used globally across some of the, the main uh, kin makers. Um, they have uh, the systems. But my concern and the reason we partner up with the lab and Hannah, and again, they took so much interest in this and it makes sense to me, is that we have a lot of new smaller companies uh you know, it's a very competitive market as is, but you have all these people that are starting their beverages and they were not aware about the importance of the can liner. So it's yes, very, like, very important. Like can lids have expiration dates. You need to rotate them um, and you need to do first in, first out because they also have expiration dates just like your cans do, uh, just like your ingredients do. The aluminum ends have the expiration date because of the the minute you mold aluminum, you're kind of affecting its memory. And so those bonds now are not as stable as they once were. So the, the stability of the bonds will degrade over time where that's where kind of the expiration date comes in cans. Um, we're talking about complex chemical processes here and chemical reactions that may take a long time, but they will eventually happen. I just always like to say that the biggest advantage with using this technology is you're starting to speak the language of your can manufacturer. You know, we're here to facilitate conversations um, and provide impactful and meaningful data, um, which is which is a great opportunity we have with this technology is to educate ourselves and have those conversations. <laughs> That was Hannah Creek and Vivian Poteet here on the Master Brewers Podcast. Check out Hannah's District St. Paul, Minneapolis presentation for more details. You can get there from Master Brewers' gigantic district presentations archive, currently 980 slide decks and growing. Just think about that. Your Master Brewers membership gets you access to more educational presentations than any brewing school on the planet. Or from the direct links in the show notes. Are you enjoying the Master Brewers podcast? Let me tell you about a simple way you can help us keep making more. Take a minute to thank our sponsors. There's no way we could produce this show without generous support from sponsors like Hopsteiner, Brew Ninja, Proximity Malt, BSG, Gussamer, and Precision Fermentation. So please, let them know you heard their message on the Master Brewers podcast and that you appreciate their support. Master Brewers offers a wide range of resources for breweries of all sizes and stages. Stay current on the latest scientific advancements, technical information, and industry trends by joining Master Brewers. Join today and use offer code BEER2021 to save 20% on dues now through December 31st, 2021. Master Brewers. United we brew. Let's go.